Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. This is a pro wrestling show. And once again, if you listened to the episode earlier in the week, and please do go listen if you have not, we are going old school. I'm just sat here in front of my computer recording away. And of course, we will go back to twitch.tv forward slash Simon Miller 316 next week. But without wanting to sound like a massive pansy, hence I'm going to sound like a massive pansy. It's just too hot to record. I had to wake up, in case you care about the behind the scenes of Simon Miller's day, I had to wake up at crazy time this morning to get AEW ups and down done, just because I was like, I'm so hot. <laughs> I'm so hot, so I have to kind of like beat the day. It's like I'm in competition with the day, and I've got to try and beat it. But uh, it's all good. Hopefully you don't mind it this way, and hopefully getting the content makes you happy regardless. But yes, next week, we will go back to Twitch, as the weatherman tells me that it's going to be uh, a lot calmer, which sounds very nice and something that I absolutely want in my life because like, even when it's freezing cold outside, I am boiling. I don't think you care much about the, the life and times of Simon Miller's temperature, but now you know. Still though, it is Thursday. It is literally 2 p.m. when I'm doing this. I know it's 1 p.m. we usually do it. I was about, <laughs> I was about to say that uh, uh, you know, I'm still sticking to the schedule, but, I, but I'm not at all. Um, but yeah, look, we're going to talk about AEW. I haven't seen NXT yet, as usual. Uh, I mean, the big breaking news as I'm sat here at my desk is that apparently SummerSlam is going to be held at the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I don't know how people know this, but they seem to have become aware that the WWE production trucks are going to turn up there tomorrow. So that's the 14th of August, the Friday. I don't know whether that means they're running fans. I doubt it because we're so, you know, we're so near to the event itself, but maybe they just want it to look and feel bigger. I will say that when, when I watch, we'll just do Raw in comparison to AEW because um, it just makes the most sense. Sometimes AEW, uh, WWE, sorry, in the performance center does feel a little bit claustrophobic. And I think it's because it's quite dark and obviously they don't have a lot of room. Whereas when you see Daly's place where Dynamite come from, it's bright, it's airy, again, for obvious reasons. So maybe that's a good idea. They'll be able to do pyro and it will just look different. I think sometimes we forget that having the look and the feel of a show be somewhat different it's, it's so important. It is so important for, because it's the first thing that you see and you don't want the same thing to be over and over again because you get a little bit bored. So that will be interesting. And of course, in terms of AEW itself, the unthinkable happened. I literally tweeted this out, Simon316 on Instagram and Twitter. Also, shout out to pinsandknuckles.com. Always appreciate them. Got some new merch coming too, which you can check out at Simon Miller's, uh, no, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. And I rejigged my Patreon. I probably talked about it the other day. I'll mention it here again. I've rejigged my uh, Patreon for post-pandemic times. So hopefully make it more accessible and to uh, allow people to support me if they should so wish. So check that out at patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. But yes, the unthinkable that I was going to get at before I decided to hock my wares like a bald asshole. Orange Cassidy beat Chris Jericho in a match. Now look, was it the best match I'd ever seen? No, but sometimes I think you've got to take a step back and just appreciate what we saw. Do you know what I mean? Chris Jericho, former WWE champion, former AEW champion, the guy that's only been beaten once. I know he lost in a tag match or something. No, but basically only been defeated once in a singles match by John Moxley now has two losses on his record. And one of them is to Orange Cassidy, the guy that was laughed at a year ago when he was signed to an AEW deal. I think that's crazy. I think that's wonderful. I think that's how you build a big star. I know they did the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up finish, and they botched it. You know, if you want to call a spade a spade, they botched it. But I don't care about any of that because nobody's perfect. They're human beings. And it's about what it means at the end of the day. And what it means at the end of the day is that we have just used 30 plus years of Chris Jericho's career to either let a new fan or even an old fan that maybe, you know, may want may not be completely on board with the league wrestling, I don't know. But they've just told you, this guy's a star. We're getting behind this guy. We believe in this guy. And I also think that this developed Orange Cassidy's character wonderfully. He's gone from, oh, I don't care, hands in my pocket, to I'm still going to do that. But the reason I'm doing that is to wind you up. Like, you know, they've made that abundantly clear. I want to get under people's skin. But also, if you do, you know, piss me off, or you do, you know, do something that triggers me or pushes my buttons, I've got the skills. I've got the know-how. I've got moves that can take you down. I'm not a moron. And I care about all of this. So that's character development too, which is something that I'm also massively into. I think the best kind of stories is when you do see a character grow up in this way. So yes, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of everything that they did. And I know they can have a better match because I think round one was better. But 
Do I want to? Is that really the wrestling fan that I want to be? No, I don't want to go. Well, the finish wasn't very good because I screwed up the the surprise roll up, and it was like, oh, who cares? Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, especially, and I like both shows. I do, but it's, you'd be silly not to say that WWE's not done a great job over the last 15, 20 years of building new stars, and that's all that All Elite Wrestling seems to be doing. So we can't get mad about that just because the execution wasn't at the level that I'm sure they wanted it to be. But sometimes ship happens. That's the truth. Sometimes ship happens. So yeah, if you haven't uh, if you haven't figured it out, I thought it was really fun. Not golden up material or anything like that. I often get tweets saying, "Sorry, when you got to give this a golden up." I mean, again, I think to to reach that kind of a level, you need to have something else in your in your back in, in your back pocket. Um, what that is, I don't know, but. I don't know. I don't know. Who who knew? Who, who even knows? I don't even want to talk about it. I think it, I think it's going down the wrong pathway. But yeah, absolutely loved it. Thought it was great. It was 100% the right thing to do, which also makes me happy. And now I want to see where we go next. We're one on one. Do we have a trilogy? Do they leave it alone? Do they go in different directions? Obviously, we're going to do something with the best friends and Ortana and so Ortana, Santana and Ortiz, because they're still continuing to abrate Sue, Trent's mum, which I think is absolutely despicable. It really, really is. You don't mess with somebody's mum. But yeah, I, I liked all of that. And I will say, look, Dynamite as a whole, I didn't necessarily think it was the the best. Oh, my! the Ups and Downs video just started playing randomly. That was strange. Well, there you go. You get that. Um, yeah, I didn't necessarily think it was the best episode of Dynamite. And I thought last week's episode was far better. But it was still decent. And I'm still very excited about the build to All Out. I think that John Moxley versus MJF is a really, really good match because... In many ways, this wouldn't be the worst time to make MJF the champion. John Moxley has enough credence, and he's a star regardless. Whereas Maxwell Jacob, you know, to have this whole sort of presidential campaign and then lose, I don't know whether it's necessarily the right thing to do. Uh, I think you may get more worth out of it by really having him screw over John Moxley. And this ties into my surprise roll-up argument that I guess I should mention here too. The reason I don't mind it when AEW uses it, even twice in the same show like they did here, is because it's not overdone. And that's the same here. They can get away with a screwy finish that even anoints a brand new champion because they don't do it too much, right? That There are always ways and means to use these endings and to use the story creative plots or whatever that you have in your back pocket but if you keep doing it over and over and over again i know boring boring but it's the law of diminishing returns it's like i love pizza but if i had pizza every day i actually think i'd still like it after a year but i'm obviously going to like it less because i'm going to get used to it so that's what i think and this was just perfect stuff you know mjf comes out cuts the promo acts like john moxie's not there even though we've already been told that he is and then he gets absolutely smashed by mox and that's cool too because you know, AEW is still less than a year old. We're coming up to the year anniversary in a couple of months. And sometimes I think we do, we kind of think that WWE wrestling is the only wrestling. And it's only been recently that they've been booking their champions as like strong, you know, strong good guys and, and, and whatever. But John Moxley has always been booked as a, and same with Drew McIntyre, like I say, but John Moxley right now is just an absolutely fabulous champion and a fabulous good guy. Nobody gets the better of him. He stands tall. He doesn't back down from anyone. You know, he leaves MJF laying here and also says that we're far from done at All Out. I'm really going to whip your ass. I thought it was, um, I just thought it was great. As was the opening tag match with the uh, Young Bucks versus, uh, no, it wasn't the Young Bucks versus, what the hell was the first match? It was, it was the Young Bucks versus uh, the Dark Order. There it is. I was getting confused with the tag team title match later. The Manic Starks that AEW Dynamite have gotten into a habit of are really, really good. You can't do it every week because, again, variety is everything. But I enjoy that as soon as you start watching Dynamite, something's happening. You're away. Like, oh, my gosh, here we go. You know, and I, it's, it's so much better than the slow start. And the slow start can work. We've had them before as well. But jumping straight into a match, especially here when the Bucks get jumped and then the Dark Order are on top. And really, the Bucks won by a fluke. Like I already mentioned, Nick Jackson, once again, used the most devastating move. Oh, sports entertainment. I did think it was weird they did two on the same show. Surely, if you know that's how Orange Cassidy is winning, you can come up with something else. But I'm not going to tar them with the same brush at the moment because it's it's early days. I think that would be wrong. I truly think that. I think that would make me a... Uh, it, would, it would do what the people on the internet accuse me of doing and showing bias. And I deliberately do not show bias because that would completely ruin my job. It's all about honesty and integrity and having fun, of course. But if I don't have honesty and integrity, then why the hell would you listen to what I'm saying? And, you know, the Dark Order were whiskers away from breaking up that roll up too because Grayson went to attack Nick Jackson, but he was just a second too late. I don't know how that... I don't know whether we're building back to have Omega and Paige take on the Bucks 
because I think the Young Bucks are slowly climbing back up in the rankings now. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think that's the case. Maybe that's... I don't. I was thinking this the other day. Who takes the belts off them, off uh, Paige and Omega? And I don't know who that is. You certainly have numerous contenders, but it's not going to be the Jurassic Express because obviously they lost. Decent match too. You know, and I get it. People go, it wasn't as good as some of the other matches we've seen. I'm, I'm done with comparing. No, it wasn't. But was it still good as a sit-down thing to enjoy? Absolutely. So maybe it is the Young Bucks that take them off. And we go back to the match they had. It Was it Revolution that was the one that everybody loved, that it was awesome? Maybe we go back to that, but this time it eventually all falls apart. Although saying that, it's got to tie into whatever the FDR, I mean, FTR could do it too, because it was tag team appreciation night. And I don't know how many people have conned onto this. I haven't been on social media much today. But to me, the whole point of that angle was to suggest that Hangman, Arn Anderson and FDR are in cahoots, right? Because they're all doing this big laughing, the Rock and Roll Express are there too, and Arn and Tully, and then eventually Tully gets pissed off and says, well, actually, I think you're all crap because nobody here has any gold around his waist. He yells at Arn, to which Arn Anderson leaves, which there was no need to, to do. And before long, the FTR are beating, beating up the Rock and Roll Express before the Young Bucks made the save, along with Kenny Omega. But Hangman Page took his sweet-ass time because, again, he's friends with the FTR. So why do I keep calling the FTR? I'm like Bret Hart when he used to call it the SummerSlam. Remember that? Oh, no, the SummerSlam. It's just SummerSlam, Bret. No, it's the SummerSlam. All right, man, you say whatever you want. To me, it's going to be somewhat of a ruse. I think we're going to head off in a different direction. But the, using your legends in that kind of way, I thought was great. I, really, I said this on ups and downs, but it really would be the equivalent of Matt Riddle actually beating up Goldberg because you'd be so surprised. And I don't mean this in the way that it sounds because the Rock and Roll Express are absolute Hall of Famers and legends. But I just think Goldberg had more mainstream success, right? So that in technically that would be a bigger deal. So maybe that's why WWE skirts around it a little bit. But that's how you should use your legends. Like the Rock and Roll Express aren't going to make any new fans at this point. They're mostly there for the old dudes or the old brigade that know who they are. And you can still learn you know, who they are if you don't know. But to allow the FTR to whoop them like that, I thought it was great. And all the teasing for this Four Horsemen faction rocked as well. It was so good. And it, like I said, it was the perfect way to bring, to bring guys in. Because look, I love Goldberg. He's one of my favorites. But was that you know debacle with Bray Wyatt any good? No. Was it any good with Braun Strowman? No. Did it work against The Undertaker? No. Once again, you can, you know, you can try and make excuses, but you'll start to look a bit like a, a moron. And I am a moron, but I, I'll try and stay away from that as much as I possibly can. M, not MJF, Scorpio Sky, in the t it was an interesting thing. I don't know how the TNT title challenge ends. I think Brody Lee should win it because obviously he challenged Cody after the fact. But there was something in the air tonight. What was that from? Something in the air tonight. It's Phil Collins, right? Who knows? Who cares? Why even talking about it? That kind of made me feel that if you had had Scorpio Sky win the belt, it wouldn't have been the worst decision in the world, which is kind of interesting because there wasn't that much build to this. He cut that fire promo on Dark, then just tapped the belt last week. It's like a week. It's a week of build. And I think whoever is going to take it up is going to be quite an obvious, unless they do a massive surprise. But I think there's going to be quite sort of a green light you know, being flashed in your face that like we're going to do this. And a lot of people are upset that Scorpio Sky didn't win. But there's clearly something going on with Cody. And I think this... I get it. it probably ties into the four horsemen thing. I think you have to achieve that before you remove him of the championship. Because not only did he get Justin Roberts to announce him as the Prince of Wrestling, which is the most heel thing ever, but he comes out with every single friend and family member he has. And when you do see someone come out in a group like that and lap up the love, it's like, well, you're a little bit of a, you know, you're a little bit of a dick. And obviously throughout the weeks, he's been willing to cheat and cut corners to, to try and win. Didn't necessarily do that here. And really Scorpio Sky got caught when he was going for that cutter. But he did get crossroads twice. And the good thing about that is that there was a time when the crossroads had been run into the ground. So I'm very pleased that we've moved past that and it feels like a finishing move again. I just think that at one point, Scorpio Sky needs a proper push. I think they have something with him, much as they do with Jungle Boy, who also lost, you know, took the pin in that tag match. Maybe they're waiting for there to be fans because they know that they will get behind them, which they will. But those two dudes, to me, have a, have a massive future. As that MJF, you know, I'm starting to see these pieces all fit in. And I, I think those three especially could, could be it. Uh, tag match was fine. Obviously, Hangman and Omega still the champions. I did feel the need to point out that I felt we dropped the ball with the storytelling of Marco Stunt. Because when he was on the apron, the announcer was all like, oh, I can't believe it. And it's like, no, wait, he's pissed off with Kenny Omega who started this. That is one of the rare occasions where I felt like uh, the AEW didn't live up to their usual high standard. I thought that was very, very strange. 
Um, it's not the end of the world. It's just, again, it, it stood out more than it would have done otherwise because I thought we were heading in some direction with Kenny Omega. Now we seem to have pulled back on that a little bit. And that's fine if you want to eke it out a bit longer. But don't pretend that Marco Stunt is doing this stuff just because he's a crazy person. He had due cause. Absolutely had due cause. So, um, yeah, but it was fine. And I really don't know where we're going with the tag team division. But once again, it probably ties into this FTR thing. I think that's a big storyline that they're going to pay off at some point and it will it will be badass didn't mind the Sheeta match at all some people thought it was too short yes but last week i begged for a match i can't then get a match and say oh, i don't like it because that what do you want then you're becoming part of the problem and ultimately she is the champion she should be beating people that are making their debuts easily because even if heather monroe has been wrestling for 10 years within the AEW world she feels like a rookie to us and then she challenged somebody afterwards i think whoever that is should make themselves known next week so we can have a decent build to all out and as crazy as it was i did enjoy the lance archer stuff when he's just beating people in the back and Jake Roberts is kind of pro row and then he he rips <laughs> he rips off uh, Jake Roberts' top against his he doesn't want this to happen, Jake, but it happens and he's got everybody dies on the back. I mean, truly weird. I felt like I'd taken a bunch of drugs when I was watching this, but at least he got Lance Archer on TV. I've been a bit upset recently that he doesn't have any kind of a feud and he comes and goes way too much. So at least this was getting him on my television, which I which I massively enjoyed. And obviously Mike Kyoda ref the TNT Challenge match as well. And he was in the main event, which almost tied in because there was this big tease that the relationship he has with Chris Jericho may have cost him. Uh, may have helped him, I should say. I knew they were never going to do that because you should you don't want a heel ref. I think heel refs are kind of overdone going all the way back to uh, to Nick Patrick. But a decent show, like very, very watchable, very, very easy to get through. If the main event had come off as intended, then yes, it would have popped a lot more. But I'm still, uh, I'm still, I, I, I'm excited about All Out. And I think as long as my excitement remains, then they're doing a, a good job. You can't expect 52 episodes of a program in a year for everyone to be pure fire. And that would probably wear you out anyway. It's good to have, wait for it, ups and downs. Talking about NXT, like I say, I've only read the results, but people get mad at me if I don't, <laughs> if I don't at least mention it in passing. Um, spoilers, obviously, you should have said that before Dynamite as well. But if you clicked a podcast, what do you expect? Karrion Cross defeated Danny Birch, which is, is no surprise. I like Danny Birch, but Karrion Cross is NXT's massive project at the moment. So he was always going to whip ass. I, I need to see it in, uh, in, in, in sort of with my own eyes. But I was amazed to read that Drake, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane ended in a no contest. I know it's because the Undisputed Era got involved, but I don't really get what they're doing with Drake Maverick right now. Or Killian Dane, for that matter. Killian Dane's been called Killian Dane for so long now, I can't remember his name. Big Damo, thank you, Brain. But yeah, I got to know, not to know him, but I got to see Big Damo sort of more up and close and personal when he was doing WCPW stuff. And he seems tailor-made to WWE for me. And obviously, he went up to the main roster with Sanity, and then he went back down, and he's kind of just floating around at the moment. But yeah, it massively surprised me. Like, it really, really did. I thought he would be used. I just think they need that kind of big... You know, I'm going to whip your ass monster, but uh, maybe they're going to team them together. I don't know. Uh, Escobar defeated Tyler Breeze in an untitled match. Not surprised because, and that was a distraction. WWE finished number two. But as much as I like Tyler Breeze, I think he's found his place within WWE. Probably found it quite a while ago. And I just don't think they're ever going to do anything other with him. But he seems very happy which, you know, we all forget when it comes down to uh, professional wrestling. If somebody seems very happy, whether we feel like they should be doing more with them or not, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> It doesn't make a difference at all. Uh, Maya Yim defeated Indy Hart, defeated Indy Hartwell, also made a lot of sense. Uh, Bronson Reed defeated Damian Priest. I need to see that one as well because people said it was a pretty good, uh, a pretty good brawl. Um, I can't really think where they are with. I mean, they're kind of pushing both these guys at the moment, but I thought Damian Priest would have been ahead, but who knows? And Marce Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah, who obviously now the Robert Stone group, defeated Casey Catzano and Caden Carter. Once again, something I need to see. And uh, the big thing we should talk about is that Velveteen Dream came back. He lost to Cameron Grimes and uh, Kashidav. Uh, it's difficult. We have to remember that it's innocent till proven guilty. But there is a lot of, I won't call it evidence. Well, we'll go with evidence, for lack of a better term. But there is a lot of stuff out there that paints this in a very bad light. So it makes it extremely difficult to talk about because I would like to think that WWE has done their due diligence. And I'd be amazed if they haven't. Like, you'd have to be absolutely crazy to think, you know, if there was any sense of truth and you're putting him back on TV, I think that's absolutely, I mean, it's borderline bonkers. It truly, truly is borderline bonkers. And they did turn him heel, which, you know, to me, 
my, my point is this. I don't think they turned him heel for lols. I think they probably turned him heel because they assume that when they open the doors to crowds again, whenever that may be, people are going to be on his case for obvious reasons. But then if you think that, why is he still in the comp? I don't know. I really don't know. It's really, really tough to talk about. You know, I don't want to sit here and, and rag on the guy when I don't have all the facts. But again, what I have seen, clearly, as you can probably tell, I'm tiptoeing around the matter because there is no excuse, absolutely zero excuse, both on WWE's or Velveteen's dream part for doing what... I don't even know. Is it, it's not even. I guess it is allegedly. Someone did do that tweet. Yeah, so that he allegedly did. It's a horrible situation. Everything to do with that was a horrible situation. I don't know. I don't know how people are going to feel about this. I can only presume. The only reason I stall on it is because I can only presume that WWE has looked into it and found that it wasn't what it seemed to be. But then if it wasn't what it seemed to be, why haven't they released the information to let us know? Because again, on the surface of it all, unbelievable. <laughs> as I think, as I as I think you can all agree. But oh, I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, he went heel at the end of it. That was that, and Finn Balor came out to confront him as the show went off air. So we're going to do Dream versus Finn Balor. Uh, Finn Balor versus um, Velveteen Dream. Look, I really like Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor is one of these guys that can work with anyone. Never really got his due properly on the main roster. I know a lot. It was happenstance was the real problem with Finn Balor because obviously he won the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, and then it was cruelly stolen away from him when he got injured in that match with Seth Rollins, which probably did paint a little bit of a target on his back when it came to being pushed because if you don't know Vince McMahon has always had this worry that if you're an injury prone guy he won't get behind you and you know Finn Balor's not the biggest dude of all time either which is something that Vince McMahon goes for so uh yeah I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with that it's very very interesting all around maybe they think he'll do good ratings but even then that's not an excuse either is it because you don't do what he's alleged to again zero 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 excuse uh, something that I did find very interesting is that I, uh, during the uh, conference call that WWE had a few weeks ago, they did indeed announce that Payback was going to be another pay-per-view by them, and it was going to air a week after SummerSlam, which seems bonkers to me, because that is overkill. As somebody pointed out on the, I think it was the Wrestling Observer live show, I think I heard it, I thought it was a really good conspiracy theory, that they think WWE is deliberately trying to wear out the wrestling audience by giving them two back-to-back paybacks that nobody buys all out the week after. I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a line in the sand now where whoever is investing that much cash in AEW pay-per-views is going to do it uh, regardless. But anyway, they released a poster for it. And again, I thought the date was a mistake. The date is not a mistake. The tagline is retaliation, vengeance, justice, redemption in one word, payback. Don't miss all your favorite WWE superstars out for vengeance. And on the poster, Street Profits, Asuka, Seth Rollins, uh, Sasha Banks, Big E, and Drew McIntyre. I mean, the weird thing is, is that nowhere does it, I, I don't know what they usually do for their, um, uh, what do you call it, pay-per-views, but it doesn't say WWE Network anywhere. I'm assuming I'm reading into this. It just says live on pay-per-view and not live on the WWE Network. Is that what this is? Is this some, again, I'm just making this up as I go along. That won't be the case at all. And it will be on the network and not like a moron. But is this their attempt? Because that'd be even more stupid. If you're going to do that, do that with SummerSlam, which actually has cachet and people are genuinely investing it. That's me reaching, I'm, I'm pulling at straws there. But it does kind of feel like, oh, I don't know, it stumps me. I'm absolutely stumped by it. It's a very, very bizarre thing to do. And what kind of matches are you going to book? Unless they're going to do some kind of angle at, retru- at Retribution at SummerSlam where Retribution just wrecks the place and therefore there has to be some kind of redo. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't understand why they're doing that. At a moment when they're struggling with ratings... It seems very strange to me. It's different on YouTube, right? YouTube loves the churn. It loves the daily uploads. That's what it wants. It wants you to give it, give it, give it, and it will reward you back. But when it comes to television shows, I think that WWE has already proved that less can be less and more can be more, and that you don't need to be mucking around with things too much. I mean, look, listening to this right now, obviously, um, SmackDown, SmackDown, SummerSlam happens a week Sunday. You've also got the takeover on the 22nd. On that same night, I think, is where AEW Dynamite's being pushed to, which still counts because you push it together. It's easier to wear yourself out on it. And then two weeks Sunday, you get payback. And then two weeks Saturday, you get all out. Now, I get there's two different companies there, but WWE should be smarter than this. They should play their own game. You shouldn't be reacting to what AEW is doing. You should just be focusing forward. I think really, and maybe they moved away from it a little bit now, but I think in many ways, that's the, the problem's not the right word, but maybe an issue that NXT is running into is that they're being very reactive towards NXT 
uh, towards, towards themselves, towards AEW, whereas what they should be doing is what they always used to do. Long-term storytelling, planning, building of stars. That's why NXT was everybody's favorite for a while, and I think that's why people like AEW. Already mentioned sort of multiple storylines going on in many feuds, and how, you know, at one point, there was like three people interested in the world title as well, which is never a bad thing. And they don't ever seem to... Maybe Darby Allen versus John Moxley was counter-booking. Counter but you can do it once and get away with it. You just can't do it multiple times. So to me, that's uh, NXT should probably stay away from that. Obviously, this is more of a main roster show as opposed to NXT. I just meant on a more on a more general level. I think it makes a lot more sense to, to back yourself. Because I don't think NXT is going to go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, they probably do need to set up some kind of other d developmental territory because you can't get ready for well, you can't get ready for the stars of tomorrow and as we're finding out right now not building those stars is what come back to bite wwe in the ass so hopefully they actually realize that and they'll start to do it too because now i think because you get nxt on television there's not that much of um there's not that much of a shock unless you're a hardcore fan like we all are but there's not that much of a shock to a casual viewer when somebody gets moved up that's not even the right term anymore getting moved up it's more getting moved sideways because we've seen matt riddle go to smackdown and I think if that had happened maybe even a year ago, it would have felt like a much a much bigger deal. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I do enjoy both shows. It just I sometimes feel that AEW surprises me more um, because not surprises me more. I can't think what I'm trying to say. It just it does. It never seems to sort of steer off in the wrong direction. Which is why when it comes to ups and downs, and people go, Simon, you don't really down a lot on on AEW, and it's like because well, a lot of it makes sense. And the execution of it is fine. Not always great, but fine. And really, if you look into the shows that get the most downs, it would be Raw and then SmackDown. And that's because Raw makes the least sense of the shows. And sense should always be the foundation you try and build uh, You build a wrestling company on. Because obviously wrestling deep down is just, it's just all about stories. But I do want to make it clear before people go crazy that I really like AEW and I really like NXT. And despite all this craziness with ratings and AEW beating Raw and SmackDown and 18 to 34 people, I just don't care. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I find it incredibly interesting uh, when it comes to statistics and see how companies are growing and what they could potentially do down the line. But I don't care who wins and loses. I want everybody to win. I want everybody to do amazing ratings. I want wrestling to get back to how it was in the late 90s when it had crazy numbers and people were excited about it and it, and it had a buzz because I think, um, you know, momentum builds momentum. Whether or not we can actually get there again, I don't know. Like, I absolutely don't know, simply because it's a different time. It's a different period. I kind of feel like wrestling's at its best when it mirrors what's going on in the real world. Hence why the Attitude Era was such a massive deal. It was sleazy, and it was down, and it was grungy, and it was aggressive. You know, all these things that were going on in the real world, like Jerry Springer and, and who else knows that we had. And we're not necessarily recreating that at the, at the moment. I still like what's going on. Like, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I often think that Raw is actually my favorite wrestling show because it's nuts. <laughs> There's something nice about car wreck television. You couldn't do it all the time because how the hell are you ever going to build new fans? But that show they did last week with the Retribution turning up and Raw Underground and whatever else they threw at the wall... It would be difficult to, for me to say that I didn't enjoy it at the end of the day because I did. It was much like that Saudi Arabia show when Shane McMahon came out and won Best in the World. And then um, Braun Strowman just got wrecked by Brock Lesnar. It's like, these are all the things that you shouldn't be doing. And yet for one reason or another, you just go, ah, we're just going to do it. So maybe that's kind of a shout on Freud type of a thing. You shouldn't enjoy things in spite of themselves, but but I did. But that won't work long term. Like you want good, You want good wrestling and you want it all to make sense. But yeah, I really, I don't understand these people that want companies to die. You're taking away jobs, you're taking away livelihoods, and you're taking away competition. Competition makes things better. Hey, man, competition got NXT on TV. I don't think the USA Network was going to ever accept that deal without knowing that AEW was about to pop up somewhere else. And it worked, right? Because if you if you do want to get down and dirty with the um, with the statistics and the numbers, maybe if NXT wasn't on TV, meaning there wasn't sort of seven hundred thousand people that were going to watch that on Wednesdays, maybe AEW would be doing consistently over a million. I don't know how big the crossover audience is, but I'm going to assume that you know even when AEW's up and NXT is down or vice versa, usually the combined total is around the same. So you'd have to presume from that that 
there is a lot of crossover between the two. And then what would WWE do? Would you actually, I mean, I'm not saying this is true, but would you actually be getting Dynamite at 1.4, 1.5 million? I don't think so. But if you were, that's right on Raw and SmackDown's tails these days. And that's good. That's what I want. But then I also want WWE to get back to where they were. And then I want AEW to go up more. Then I want NXT to keep smashing it. I want MLW to smash it. Impact. Impact's great at the moment. Everyone always goes, oh, why don't you do ups and downs? It's like, because I need time in my life. And, you know, realistically, when you sit down and look at the numbers they're doing, compared to the numbers that we would do as a recap show, it just won't get that many views. And I love doing the YouTube thing, but you still have to treat it like a business. You can't just go, ah, we'll do whatever you want. Because, in, again you won't get the returns that you need. You need an ROI. You need a return on your investment. So yeah, if you do tweet me at Miller316 and say that nonsense, I probably, well, I won't block you. I block the aggressive people. But yeah, if you do say something crazy and then don't understand my, my response, I'll probably just, uh, I'll throw you in the bin. <laughs> I, don't know why. I don't know why I said that. We should probably look forward to SummerSlam given that it is only a couple of weeks away. Obviously, we'll do the predictions nearer to the fact, but I do think it's a big deal, especially if they are going to hold it outside of the Performance Center, which we haven't seen now since whatever that first SmackDown show was. So that was probably March, or April, May, June, July, August. So sort of five months of PC shows. Oh, 2020 is weird. But we do have a card shaping up already. We're going to have Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt for the Universal title. Uh, Bailey versus whoever wins this um, triple threat or triple brand battle rule on SmackDown. Sasha Banks versus Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. Dominic versus Seth. Apollo Crews versus MVP for the US title. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE title. And I think that it's been announced the Street Profits are taking on Andrade and Angel Garza. That's pretty decent. I think it could have done with... And I don't think we're going to get this now simply because we have our major championship matches. But it feels like it needs one big name on there. Uh, it was Goldberg last year, right? When he took on... And when he took on Dolph Ziggler, I really thought that added something to two proceedings. And I know it kind of sucks because he just, you know, wrecked. He just absolutely wrecked Dolph Ziggler. And then he went away again until we did the, the, the Bray Wyatt thing. But having something like that would be, it would, it would just make SummerSlam feel more like SummerSlam. But again, that's probably why they're going to try and hold it outside of, uh, outside of the performance center. Whether or not they're able to do that, I don't know. I do know that AEW, they didn't have fans at the show last night, but they did have more people in there than usual. There was some way that as long as you um, followed the guidelines, you could go and you could go and watch. I don't really get how that's working, but as long as everybody protected themselves, and I suppose it's I suppose it's as okay as it's ever going to be. And for the lovely people out there as well that ask me about my own wrestling, I still don't know when I'm going to be able to do it again. I do have bookings for later in the year, but these are obviously tentative things that could go, well, they could go one of many ways. I hope they do go across, but again, I've got to look at the situation near the time and decide, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Am I being a bit silly here? Because I don't want to put anybody at risk. You know, this. Um, if you're in the UK right now, the, the term second wave is absolutely everywhere, which of course would be the uh, the virus coming back and i hope that doesn't i hope that doesn't happen but i do miss wrestling and as soon as i can get back to it i i of course shall that's pretty much everything that's going on in the world of wrestling right now uh lana said that here and rusev had sex in the tank at wrestlemania 31 i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to presume that's just to get some likes and some uh some instagram stuff but hey man that cracked me up. Lana's quite funny on social media. Like, she's crazy, but she's quite funny. I liked her line on Raw as well. And uh, she said to Mickey James, how can you be the leader of the locker room when you don't even have a TikTok account? Just stupid. And I think it sums up to the type of person that you assume she is. And I bet she's not like that at all. But that headline that you read on news, news site, just Lana, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the word now, stupid brain, but just Lana. Rusev and I had sex in the WrestleMania in the tank at WrestleMania 31. Colon is the word I was looking for. Just like, okay. <laughs> oh dear, whatever you want to do. And also, if you are massively into uh, the sort of, not really the behind the scenes, but the added little things that WWE has been putting into their stories recently, particularly on their YouTube channel. Uh, they had a video with what Randy Orton said to Ric Flair after he killed him. And it was just, it's all going to be over soon. I promise you, Rick, I promise you. Thank you for everything you have done for me, Rick. Kind of takes away from this idea that the reason they turned the lights off and they did the punk kick, of course, is to protect Ric Flair. He's a 71-year-old man who almost died. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I understand it. I'm just happy you told the story. But now another theory has emerged with people believing that WWE did this so... You know, at, at SummerSlam, Ric Flair will come out, screw over Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton's the champion. I think it just it doesn't make any sense to me. How did that benefit 
I don't see how that benefits Drew McIntyre. If nothing else, it just gets him angrier and makes him want to kick Orton's ass a little bit more. I wouldn't mind it terribly so because it's quite inventive and they're thinking outside the box. But I think it probably brings up too many plot holes, plot holes too. Like you shouldn't do things just for the sake of doing it. But I still think Randy Orton should win that title. We'll talk about it when we're a week out. So next week, because then we'll have all the uh, information at our, at our feet. And it's not that I don't think Drew McIntyre is excellent. I do. But Randy Orton has been on such a roll over the last few months. I think you actually risk derailing that without making him the champion. And of course, you risk the, you know, the push for Drew McIntyre too. But this is when it comes down to the creative team and the writing team to come up with something that will keep you believing in both of these guys. And then the dream would be is that uh, Drew McIntyre wins it back as soon as we're allowed fans in the building again. But again, I don't know what it's going to be. Someone said they think it's going to be the Royal Rumble. And I was like, what if it's not? What if it's not even next year's WrestleMania? What if it comes to WrestleMania 37 and we can't fill a stadium? In fact, I'm going to say you probably can't. I would say that the, the tops you're probably going to be able to get in there is, what, 3,000, 5,000? And maybe even then I'm being conservative. It changes every single day. It's absolutely impossible to know what is around the corner. But yeah, Randy Orton becoming the new WWE champion, I don't think is out of the river. In fact, I changed both belts. I don't think it's working with Braun, just my personal opinion. I think he's much better as a crazy monster that runs around without any crutches. And I'm just so into the Randy Orton, you know, rise back to power. I think there is potentially a reason to do it. But the cool thing about it is, though, is if Drew McIntyre wins, I'm not going to be mad about that either because it means that Drew just beat Randy Orton, who's probably the biggest star in the company. So it's a win-win all round. And these are why it's a good match. This is why you probably shouldn't do a flub finish on that thing because you've got this amazing sporting contest. It's like over here in England right now. It's like Liverpool versus Man City. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Who's got the better? Who's going to be better on the day? And again, if it ties into a cool narrative and that's why you need to do something screwy, then that's all right. But with everything they've gone on and the story they've told, getting an out-and-out -out winner who also then becomes the champion, I can see major upsides, regardless which direction you go. And that's why, actually, to be fair, given everything I've just said, it is a really good SummerSlam main event. Right, just to finish things off, we will do some questions because obviously, usually we'd be doing this on Twitch, but we're not doing it, blah, blah, boring, boring. Uh, threw a tweet out there earlier. I'm a man, AJ Kirsch, good guy all around. Make sure you go and follow him, AJ Kirsch. Just search the dude. You recognize him from Tough Enough in 2011 if you're an old school fan too. He says, what moment in wrestling lore gives you chills to this very day just as much when you first experienced it? Congrats on the podcast, bro. He's a nice guy, isn't he? Uh, what always gives me, well, um, see, I watched um, Money in the Bank 2011 the other day uh, for retro ups and downs. And that CM Punk match, when you, you know, properly embed yourself in the context and everything that was going on is pretty damn special, especially with that crowd. You can't help but get into it and just go, oh my gosh, WWE got this perfectly, perfectly balanced between storyline and reality with the contract. Same for Hogan versus The Rock, just because the crowd is so damn loud. And in another sort of more specific one to me, because lots of people say that kind of stuff. It's SummerSlam 1997, Undertaker versus Bret Hart with Shawn Michaels as the ref. That opening promo, the whole, um, you know, life isn't fair, but nobody said it would be, is the best. And it's got that amazing production music in the background that has never got old. And every time I see that, I'm a young wrestling fan. That and Kane debuting at Bad Blood 97. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Dre says, my favorite tag team of all time is the Headbangers. I don't know if I believe you, but I like it. I know it's a weird choice, but I love the concept, their enthusiasm, and the stage, di the stage dive finisher. Aside from Repo Man, are there any mid-card talents you have a knee-jerk affection for that not many people appreciate? Well, Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz is great. The man that used to pat himself on the back. I mean, it was a job for ages. And all of a sudden, they gave him this mini run as a mid-carder, or I guess a low-carder, whatever you want to call it. And people lost their minds. Now, how is Barry Horowitz winning? So yeah, I always like Barry Horowitz. Otherwise, our oh, mid-carders that didn't really do anything, but I liked. That's a very, very difficult question. I mean, I guess Rusev would be in there, but lots of people were, were, were big fans of Rusev. I suppose back in the day, it would have been guys like Rick Martel. I love the fact that he'd walk around and spray people in the face with um, arrogance. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I absolutely love it. And I would try and come up with one more if my brain... Yeah, D'Lo Brown. It did come up with it. Thank you, brain. I always liked D'Lo Brown. I liked his presentation. I liked his music. I liked his head bob. Uh, nobody else seems to these days, but I enjoyed his chest protector gimmick. I just thought it was fun. I thought him and Mark Henry were a great tag team. I thought they worked really well together. Always enjoyed it. So yeah, absolutely D'Lo Brown. Uh, Dr. Scott Kelly. Have you heard from AEW wrestling and Cody Rhodes yet about either a TNT title shot or at the very least getting tossed through the ceiling by Lance Hoyt? I mean, look, even if I had, obviously I wouldn't be able to say anything. But no, genuinely, I haven't. Uh, that would be a dream come true. 
It would be an absolute dream come true. Uh, I'm kind of in two worlds. I'm a guy that likes to shoot his shot and dream big and all those kind of stuff. But it's almost hard to fathom that they <laughs> that they would reach out simply because it just seems so unreal. And I'm still so green and as a professional wrestler. But I've always lived my life by jumping on those kind of opportunities. So yeah, if it did happen, I would be I'd be absolutely over the moon. It would be one of the best things I'd ever done, if not the best thing I'd ever done. And I would absolutely do it. You you know, as Richard Branson, the Virgin Media guy, once said. Uh, you know, if somebody asks you to do something and you can't, don't say no, say yes and then figure it out. And it's a great way to live. It truly is. My man Terry says, after the open challenge is over, how do you book the TNT title? Everything else in AEW is based on a win-loss record, but you can have that with the TNT title is the world title. But you can Okay, there's a bit of a typo there. Um, Basically, what do you do with the TNT title? Well, you just book it strong. You book it absolutely strong and you make sure that whatever you do with it, it feels like a prize that people want. And you could have... I mean, the, the reason the TNT title should exist is that the mid-carders, or whatever you want to call them, have a prize to go after. So it's not just storyline, storyline. And then it's the Intercontinental Championship, right? But back in the mid to late 90s, or the early 90s too. It's a stepping stone title, but it's an important title. It means something. And if you win it, you're likely going on to be a huge star and be a world champion. <clears throat> That's what it should be useful, 100%. And you don't need to have an open challenge to do that. But I do like the fact that AEW is eking these things out. There's no rush. You know, some people think you can't have a storyline for more than a week these days. It's not true. You could do the open challenge till the end of the year, as long as you can keep coming up with good concepts for it. And I don't mind Cody as champion. There seems to be a little bit of a backlash online, online now because, as Batman told us, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. But I think he's doing great with it. I think his bad guy teases are awesome. I'm a huge fan. I just am. You can call me a Mark for Cody. That's fine. Nothing wrong with the word Mark. People still think that. Um, I've had to change to my phone because all the questions were out of order. But the KF podcast, honest question. Oh, dude, no, no offense, man. But do you go easier on AEW each week because you like the product better or because they are newer and get like a new kid period before you crack down on them? I see them doing lots of stuff that gets down on other shows, right? Genuinely, I do appreciate your question, but I hate it. <laughs> How can people not figure this one out? I don't know. If WWE does 60 roll-ups since March 2020, I will give it a down. But if AEW does one, you don't then say, oh, they did a, a roll-up. I'm going to get... It doesn't make any sense. They are two separate companies, and they have to be judged on their own merits. I'm also not a loser, and I'm not going to sit there and go, I'm going to be biased towards AEW. That's what losers do. I don't care. I love professional wrestling. I don't owe anything to WWE. I don't owe anything to AEW. I literally give good bits I like an up and I give bad bits a down. It doesn't go further than that. Like when they first started out, did they get a little bit of a break? Of course they did for the reasons that you stated. But now if WWE does four distractions finishes on Raw and then AEW does one, AEW doesn't get down. It's not fair. It's being run by different people. Look, I know you're just asking an honest question, but I must get that question 400 times a day. And it blows my brain because I can't figure out how people can't work it out. You don't judge. You don't judge. That's like you have two kids and one comes home. Oh, dad, I got an F on my exam. And you go to the other kid, you're grounded. They're like, what did I do? I got an A. Yeah, well, I don't care. You're all going under the same boat. I find it very, very strange. I, I really, really do. I do appreciate the question, but it just seems so obvious to me. Maybe people aren't thinking about it, but no, I am not. I am not biased. What do I get out of being biased? If I was I think it would be a little bit more obvious. At the moment, I said it earlier, AEW just makes more sense. And it's hard to down a show that makes more sense. Sutton X, when this whole pandemic is over, do you seriously want to pursue a shot at the TNT title? I know before it hit, you were a serious contender. Well, that's nice. And I genuinely believed it was and still will happen. Much love from Hereford, UK. Also, a small shout out would make my year. Well, you got that by proxy. Um, yes, of course I would. Again, for all the reasons we've just said, you never turn great opportunities down. That would be mad of you. Uh, the genius. <laughs> Who's the greatest referee of all time? Interesting. Um, well, somewhat timely. Mike Kyoda would be in there for me. I always liked him. Uh, I like Little Nate too, just because I can't remember his real name now, Little Nate. But I love that massive ran run he did at WrestleMania that time. Earl Hebner is probably... Earl Hebner is a difficult one because, you know, he is the referee when I was growing up. But I'm such a Bret Hart fan. It still hurts me. <laughs> I understand that he was put in a, in a completely unwinnable situation because he was damned if he did and damned if he didn't. But uh, yeah, one of them, I would say. One of them. 
Um, Lonely, favorite championship belt design in wrestling history. WWF World Title Winged Eagle 98. The only belt I ever bought because I like it so much. Um, <clears throat> Legrand B, I think that says. Do you remember that place with the model trains in the Arndale? It was neat. I do remember that. You're referencing Luton. That one's a little bit creepy, but yes, I do remember that. Uh, Tom Gilmartin says, do you think cinematic matches will start becoming the norm or will they go away when people are allowed back into the arenas? Well, I don't think they should go away. I think that WWE should use it as something they can go back to as and when it makes sense. Like one of the glorious things that we have, um, that have come out of this pandemic uh, era, if you want to call it that, is that we figured out that we can do these kind of different matches and... They work, but you don't want to overdo them, but you always want to have them in your back pocket as and when it makes sense. So I hope they do, and I hope that they can find a seamless way to, you know, work it in with whatever wrestling is going to be once we are allowed people back in back in stadiums. But they shouldn't go away. No way. You just don't overdo them and don't make a <clears throat> excuse me, don't make a pay-per-view that's called like WWE Cinematic Match. Don't do that. I worry they would, but no, I think they'll stay. Uh, Miko, I've got a question. How is a wrestling match choreographed? Who does what, when, most, and all what? Who does what, when, and most of all why? Choices between storytelling, showcase of athleticism, and whatever else is taken into consideration, maybe different skill levels of the performers. Well, of course, yeah, it's like anything else. What is somebody capable of doing? What's the story you're trying to tell? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Uh, how, how much time do you have? And some people obviously don't choreograph them at all. They'll go out there knowing the finish. So this guy's going to win over this guy. And then they'll just call it in the ring and they'll listen to the fans. I don't think that happens as much these days with the younger generation. There is a lot of planning. But few people can actually remember the entirety of match that somebody has planned out. So there is a lot of calling on the fly. And it's really hard and it's really difficult. And it's why I think when you do start doing professional wrestling, you have massive respect, even more respect, for not only those that are doing it, but those that are doing it at a high level. Because it's truly incredible. It's truly, truly incredible. Uh, Schumel says, what is your favorite finisher? For me, it's the jackhammer. My fave submission, the sharpshooter. And my choice of foreign object is a Triple H sledgehammer. Uh, well, I think my favorite finisher ever is the stunner, just for the obvious reasons. It came out of nowhere. And I always massively enjoyed it. And a shout out to Rikishi's pile driver that didn't last very long because it was killing dudes. Yep, fave submission to the sharpshooter because obviously I'm a Bret Hart fan. So that's an easy one. And my choice of foreign object would always be a steel chair. To me, I, still, I mean, knowing what we knew now, no, now a steel chair shot to the head is awful, but it always got the desired response. And even one to the back still gets me because you are just taking a chair and slamming it onto someone, which is nuts. Uh, my man Fayaz says, what are your thoughts about the build-up to the NXT title match, Cross versus Keith Lee, and the North American title match or the ladder match? Uh, I really like Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. I love that confidence signing. Well, what I've read about it sounds really, really um, different and interesting. So I'm certainly into that one. And right now, the five-way ladder match seems a little bit convoluted because obviously we had all these triple threat matches. Then we were doing rematches with the losers. It was a little bit confusing, but I think the talent in NXT is so high that they always make it work. And William Regal holding all that together is uh, is an absolute plus. So yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a good event. Paul says, hey, Simon, love the ups and downs. And you put a question mark there. I think that was a, 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 a erroneous question mark, but it's like you're trying to figure it out. Uh, is there any way you could delay the AEW ups and downs? Because we in the UK can't watch it until Friday night. Well, one, you can watch it. You can watch it on Fight TV. That's how I'm able to view it. And unfortunately, Paul, while I see where you're coming from, A, we live in a reactionary world. Uh, B, everybody's talking about it while it's going on, let alone finished. And three, you know, what culture has a massive American audience? So doing that would be a little bit crazy, but I do see where you're coming from. Uh, Wade Wilson, what match inspired you to become a wrestler? Well, I mean, I always wanted to do it, but the one that really pushed me over the edge was Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels at uh, WrestleMania 24, because that's the first WrestleMania I visited. And I loved it so much. Yeah, when I literally, when I landed, I found the nearest wrestling school to me and I went. So I suppose in many ways, it, it could be that one. Uh, a Richter says, what is good basis for finding, establishing a finisher or choosing a new one? Dude, I'm still trying to find mine. I mean, doing something that nobody else does, uh, doing something that looks powerful and intense and gets a reaction from a crowd and is believable as a finish. And it's really, really difficult. It's far harder than people would imagine because you may come up with something, but then somebody else is doing it. And that's a political thing in wrestling. It's tough. It's really tough. Um, Treble says, should WWE superstars have a separate account for character non-kayfabe? 
I don't personally think so. I mean, I think it's better if they do, but I don't want to start putting wrestlers into boxes where we put that on them. Seems a little bit unfair. We all know what the deal is. They all want to be able to live personal lives. Again, do I prefer it as a fan? Yes, but I certainly don't let it bother me because I just think it's an unfair request. Uh, Lane says, Howdy, Simon. Have all your favorite wrestlers, who would you like to have a match with? Also, who would you like to tag team with? Uh, well, past, present, or future Bret Hart for both of those uh, both of those answers. And if I was doing it right now, I'd absolutely tag team with Rusev. I think we'd be the greatest tag team ever. And in terms of facing, it's always the same thing. It would be Roman Reigns or John Moxley. Because then for some reason, I'm being treated as a top dude in one of the major companies in... Uh, <laughs> in the world and i guess i would have done really well or i suppose evil at the moment too can you imagine i would look like an absolute moron uh actual factual facts definitely his real name if repo man could face anyone from any era of any fed who would you like to see him up against uh well i guess repo man versus the undertaker the match that we never got to see uh nathaniel also did the stupid question saying why is it okay for AEW to use a surprise roll up and not wwe i smell bias bias i don't i don't get these questions I'm, I'm not saying you're not thinking it through but i'm absolutely saying you're not thinking it through <laughs> i mean does that mean if we start doing impact and they do a surprise roll up i give it a down it's just crazy to me and i get that i'm being a little bit babyish but i get it all the time and it just chips away at you after a while just because it's so confusing i'm all for criticism but it's got to make sense which ties into the ups and downs. let's move on uh last one um well mimzo just says aren't your bollocks too tight in these shorts and i don't know what he's referring to the answer would be no my bollocks are not too tight in any shorts because i choose what i wear as a grown adult and i get to pick the correct size <laughs> so thanks thanks for ending the podcast on a low <laughs> and on that note we will wrap it up we'll have another episode over the weekend with a patreon uh, if you do want to come on the podcast you can patreon.com forward slash simon miller 316 but in the meantime have a good day enjoy uh, what else have we got to go this week smackdown enjoy smackdown if you well, man what the hell are they going to do on that show i know they've announced there's going to be some big clash between braun Strowman and bray wyatt and I'm sure Alexa Bliss will uh, magically uh, turn up too. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SimonMiller316. Merchandise, SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. On YouTube, search for Simon Miller. Twitch.tv forward slash SimonMiller316 is where uh, eventually we will get these podcasts going again. But look, genuinely, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me just waffle on about wrestling. And I'll talk to you again very soon. 